Confusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro-seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Remove your tinfoil hat so we can beam strange and amazing science into your brain. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this edition, we'll feature secret conspiracy theories and the Large Hadron Collider. But first up, here's the news with Victoria Bond and Patrick Ruby. I liked you until I got to know you. Studies indicate that the more we get to know others, the less we like them. Intuitively, it seems as though the more we get to know others, the more we like them. But recent studies by Norton and his colleagues at Harvard Business School suggest exactly the opposite. In the first part of their study, Norton gave participants a list of positive traits used to describe another person. He then asked participants how much they would like that other person. Contrary to expectations, the more traits participants were given, the less they liked them. Why would knowing more about a person make us like them less? Norton thinks it's because the more we found out about a person, the more we're likely to discover a trait which we dislike. Previous research has suggested that like begets like. That is, we are attracted to people who are similar to us. Norton set off to test if there was a link between dislike and dissimilarity. And there is. It seems as though we like people less as we get to know them because we discover more and more differences. And it gets worse. There seems to be a cascade effect to our dislike of others. If we discover a dissimilar trait early in our relationship, it tends to skew how we see them. Once we perceive the other person as different, even traits that we would be indifferent to are seen as bad. It's a slippery slope. To test this hypothesis in real life, Norton used data from online dating websites. And the trend held true. People tended to like their dates much less after having met them in person and learning more about them. But it's not all bleak. Despite these findings, most people are unrealistically optimistic about getting to know other people. Despite evidence to the contrary, we still believe that getting to know people will make us like them more. And sometimes, we don't meet people who are dissimilar to ourselves. These people become our close friends and partners. And it's these relationships that we tend to recall when meeting new people. Tardigrada, a tiny invertebrate with claws, eyes, and eight legs, became the first member of the animal kingdom to survive a trip in space. Water bears, as they're more commonly known, demonstrate an amazing capacity to halt their metabolism during times of strife and can repair huge amounts of DNA damage. By exposing them to droughts, scientists at the Institute of Aerospace Medicine induced the water bears to slow their metabolism by a factor of 10,000. This dormant state allows them to survive vacuums, starvation, desiccation, and temperatures of up to 300 degrees Fahrenheit and down to minus 240 degrees. Then, they launched the tiny critters into naked orbit, exposing them to low levels of cosmic and solar radiation, and of course, the frigid vacuum of space. Once they landed back on Earth, the tardigrades revived themselves and were able to reproduce at rates comparable to those in the control group. Scientists say it's amazing they survived at all. Just how the water bears managed to protect themselves against these harsh conditions remains unknown, but scientists are taking a closer look for clues that could help improve human DNA repair. Just a little prick. 
A team of researchers are looking at how mosquitoes bite in order to develop gentler needles. Researchers in North Carolina have been using high-speed cameras to tease out how the pesky mosquito is able to bite us so painlessly. The mosquito uses a small, flexible proboscis of just 20 micrometers thick to pierce the skin. How does something so soft manage to puncture human flesh? Usually the proboscis is raised in a sheath called the labium. The labium lubricates the proboscis and also provides anticoagulants to keep our blood from clotting. But scientists have also noticed that it pulls back when the mosquito extends the proboscis, providing it with extra support and stiffness to prevent it from buckling. Scientists are now looking at imitating nature's design and applying it to soft polymer microneedles that would deliver a gentler prick. The needles could be used to inject minute amounts of drugs or monitor blood glucose levels in diabetics. Mind reading or just predictable? Scientists watch as listeners' brains predict speakers' words. Scientists at the University of Rochester have demonstrated that listeners' brains automatically run through many possible words and their meanings before the speaker has even finished the final sound of the word. The mechanism is somewhat similar to Google's autocomplete feature, which predicts words as you type them. This process, rather than waiting for each word to finish, would allow for far more efficient communication. But until now, researchers had had no means of telling whether the brain actually sorts through words' meanings as well. New studies have used MRI scans to look at split-second brain activity. The trick was to catch the brain doing something so fast that it happens between syllables. Until now, that was impossible. But researchers were not deterred. They set about inventing a new language, which they taught to students. Some words referred to geometrical shapes, whereas others referred to the shape changing color or moving across the screen. Because only one of the new words indicated a movement, scientists chose to focus on V5, an area in your brain that interprets motion. Amazingly, they found that V5 would light up for any word beginning with the same syllable as the new word for movement. So it would appear that not only do we predict words before the speaker has finished talking, but we interpret their meanings as well. Researchers at Rochester are planning to use the same technique to interpret many other split-second brain responses. Catching up with our old friend, the Large Hadron Collider. So it's official. The Large Hadron Collider has been activated, and we're not dead yet. Check for up-to-the-minute updates at www.hasthelhcdestroyedtheearth.com. Once again, that's www.hasthelhcdestroyedtheearth.com. So we're not dead yet. After all that hype over the Hadron Collider, although I have heard that what happened on Wednesday was a bit of an anticlimax because it wasn't actually, we didn't actually bring the Hadrons together, did we, on Wednesday? Well, this is the thing. Victoria presented the first Large Hadron Collider story weeks and weeks and weeks ago, and you had the countdown. Yeah, they they just kept on setting it back. Um, The Hadron Collider was supposed to be launched months ago, but... There's just been delays, so... Because they'd already put some protons in, and this Wednesday was just the first time that the protons went all the way around the Large Hadron Collider. They didn't actually collide. That won't happen for a few more weeks or maybe another few months. So how do they actually get them to collide? I've heard that um, there's a very strong magnetic field set up around the particles as they're going through the Hadron Collider, and there's thousands of magnets which are set up kept at extremely cold temperatures. I think it's at minus 271 degrees That's or something right. like that. And in order to change the path of the hadrons as they're going through the collider, 
um, you need to change the orientation of the magnets or something like that. You need to, to change the field produced by the magnets. Well, it's protons that they're sending around, so they're positively charged. And, yeah, they're superconducting magnets, which is why they need the really cold temperatures to keep them going. And they actually had some problems ahead of Wednesday when they started to warm up and it looked like it wasn't going to work. So what happens when it starts to warm up? It stops being magnetic. Oh, okay. And if you've got a lot of power stored, well, everything just goes wherever it wants to go after that. So you really don't want that happening while you've got particles accelerating through the collider. Did they, um, did they blame that on American manufacturers? Cause they did. Oh, yeah, I thought so. But they fixed it. With European products? or <laughs> I think that they, they fixed it with their own hands. Oh, wonderful. So the world's not going to end yet. Well, we've got a few more months until the actual collisions that might generate micro black holes and or strangelets or something we don't know about. Or God particles. Or... Yeah, Higgs boson particles, perhaps. And, of course, there's people who've suggested that alternate universes might suddenly open up gateways to here, or time travellers. There's people who think that uh, you can't actually get time travellers until you've invented the first time machine. And then they can come back, but they can't come back any earlier than the first one. And that the Large Hadron Collider might just provide those conditions. Through, through the black holes? Through or... the micro black holes. I see. That... You know, you switch it on, micro black holes form and disappear, but the first time travellers appear from the future. My goodness, so we could yet see some strange English-accented bloke stepping out of a blue police box in a few <laughs> months' time when we start up those new experiments. Well, we hope not, because that usually means something really bad is going to happen. Yes, goodness. Can't wait. Next up, I'm Pretty Sure I See Molecules, by Troubled Hubble, from Making Beds in a Burning House. I see molecules, I see you, I see the way that matter scatters out and makes things move. I see the backs of my eyelids have never looked so beautiful. Their shapes and light with eyes so tight and swirling little pixels. It's a funny-seeming fuzzy feeling to think about all I'm seeing, all It's a one-way ticket out of here It's a science you can trust It's a molecule and it's here with us
You're listening to Diffusion Science Radio, diffusion at 2SCR.com. That's diffusion at 2SCR.com. Brought to you across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Some of you may be statesmen who must understand the impact and implications of science on society. You may well decide whether mankind is bettered or destroyed by the products of science. Psst. Can you keep a secret? With the anniversary of September 11th passing us by once more, we thought we'd pass our critical eye over conspiracies. I'd like to welcome Jason from nonsense.com.au, that's n-o-n-dash-sense.com.au, to provide us with his views on the subject of conspiracies and why we should doubt the sinister claims made by conspiracy theorists. Conspiracy is a word that has become synonymous with men in black, high-level government corruption. This connection is due to the high rate of conspiracy theorists that publicly promote their perception that a secret governmental agency is behind everything. Conspiracies do exist and have been well documented. However, they are far from the extreme claims that most conspiracists make. Conspiracists, for a start, have no real hard evidence, only anecdotal evidence or unprovable evidence. If we look at history's known conspiracies, there is actual hard evidence that proves what happened. How can people get these so confused? Because a conspiracy theorist concludes that any lack of evidence is seen as a positive affirmation that the conspiracy is true. To demonstrate this, I have proposed a new theory that proves we are being downtrodden by governmental agencies. It's as valid as any 9-11 theory, yet it makes 9-11ers tremble with fear because this new theory puts together all the pieces of the conspiracy puzzle in regards to 9-11, Illuminati and the NWO. It's known as Apple Theory, but it is the key connection between all of these events. Here is a brief excerpt of Apple Theory. Scientists, the government, our education system, every fundamental institution has lied to us about the truth. They have covered up the evidence that would free us from the grip that governmental agencies have on us. They have controlled the minds and bodies of human beings for thousands of years with this knowledge, causing harm upon us all. How do they harm us? Through the controlled use of a substance that is the key component in causing you physical harm and mental harm. The one similarity, the one thing that every incident and accident has in common is the very overlooked substance known as gravity. Gravity is one of the key ingredients in any accident, from spilling your coffee in the morning to causing you to fall from your roof and die. Gravity is responsible for all of these oppressive daily quirks. But I hear you, everyone say that gravity is a natural occurrence which can be scientifically tested and proven. Well, I say this is true. Gravity does exist and it is testable, but the source of gravity is incorrect. This is where scientists have lied to us. We are all told about Newton's law of gravity and we are all taught to understand that gravity is caused by rotation of the earth and magnetic forces. This is a lie. Newton came close to discovering the truth, very close. So close that he was killed for his knowledge. Research his death. He died from mercury overdose, not from being an alchemist, but because he was poisoned by government agencies. The same government agents that control us today. What was the truth that Newton almost found that had him killed? The truth is that gravity is caused by apples. As long as an apple exists, gravity will be maintained by the governments and can use it to manipulate and control us. Until we cleanse the earth of apples, we'll never free ourselves of gravity, never free ourselves from governmental mind control. Gravity kills. Apples cause gravity. 
Let's kill gravity. Destroy all apples. Tell everyone to grab their pickaxe and head to the hills. Tear up each and every apple tree you can find. Smash, crush and destroy every apple that exists in the trees or on the ground. And only once this has been achieved will we reap the benefits of cleansing this curse. This conspiracy has been maintained for centuries. There is evidence everywhere. Do you think it's a mere coincidence that the Latin words for apple and evil are similar in the singular, malus being apple, malum, evil, and identical in the plural, mala? This is not a coincidence. This is a sign. When the subject is brought up with military, government or science departments, they deny apple theory. They ignore me, they try and shut me up and kick me out of the premises with force. Why would they need to act like this unless they are guilty of something? The only reason they would want to do this is because the truth is there. They are covering up all the evidence so that they can continue to control us by maintaining control over gravity. If you ask a scientist about this phenomenon, they will laugh at you and tell you about the known laws of physics and gravity. But this too is proof that they are hiding something. The real laws of gravity are being held away by the government and the government have brainwashed everyone to believe otherwise. They make us believe that we need gravity to stay on the ground, but there is no real proof to say we do. The more I look into it, the more evidence I can find that proves that apples cause gravity. Spread the word. Tell everyone that we must destroy apples to free ourselves of this oppressive overlord that uses gravity to control us. This is my conspiracy. Try and prove otherwise. I can continuously provide you with circular, verbose arguments with loads of anecdotal evidence and the debate could be eternal. There is no way you can prove to me otherwise as any evidence for any other theory is part of the conspiracy to hide apple theory. The fact that I don't have any physical hard evidence also attributes to my cause. How? The fact that I cannot provide you with anything other than anecdotes is not because of the lack of physical evidence. It is a further proof that the government is hiding something because we can't get a hold of it. This is the folly and downfall of most conspiracy theories. They base conclusions on false arguments, verbosity, a lack of evidence and the belief that there is always someone trying to impede or control your personal decisions, privacy and security. This seems to me an egotistical, self-centred and obnoxious pattern of thought. Now while most conspiracy theories are nothing more than a hypothesis, not theories, there are legitimate conspiracies that occur and have occurred in history. One point to keep in mind, though, is that all of these conspiracists are caught out and prosecuted due to the overwhelming physical evidence that exists. There is not a lack of evidence. There is actual evidence there. They get caught and end up paying the price for it. Some classic examples of this are the Tokyo sarin bombings, the Iran-Contra affair, the Watergate scandal, Operation Mockingbird, the Dreyfus affair, and Bill Clinton getting a blowjob. All of these conspiracies existed and were found out and exposed. The culprits were captured and appropriately dealt with. With the alleged government's high-powered security, armed militia, men in black and secret societies, they still could not hide any of these conspiracies. Not even Bill getting his jollies with Monica could be kept quiet. Does this sound like a government that can masterfully cover up anything at all? If they can't keep a cap on, on Bill's blowjob, what hope do they have of keeping 9-11 a secret? Someone out there would be a whistleblower with real evidence. In all the aforementioned cases, evidence from whistleblowers were more than enough to validate the guilty actions of these people and brought them to justice. Why has this not happened with the 9-11 conspiracy or the NWO conspiracy? 
They can't hide the evidence well. And according to conspiracists, they have this evidence. You've got to ask yourself, if they have this evidence, and it is so solid, why haven't any legal proceedings begun? If it was such solid evidence, we would surely have seen legal action against these people. But wait, that too is evidence that the conspiracy exists. Those people who do credit Bush with being the mastermind behind all this should consider this. If you believe Bush is masterminding the course of humankind, then you must subscribe to the belief that Bush has the most extraordinary intellect, charisma, planning and logistic skills of any person in humankind. It would take an extraordinary man with an extraordinary team to perform such an extraordinary task. Consider the physical logistics of covering up such public exhibitions. How many people would need to be paid off or hidden away for life to ensure that this was kept quiet? When someone tells you that a false plane hit the towers and that Bush has the real passengers on an exclusive hidden retreat where they'll be looked after for life, be sceptical. Consider that in just the two planes that hit the Twin Towers there were approximately 147 people who died. Each of these would need to be taken somewhere and looked after for the rest of their lives. They would need to be looked after well enough that they do not want to return to their loving families. Maybe they would need to be in a military-style prison as prisoners for the rest of their lives. Either way, this is a very, very expensive exercise. In Australia alone, to keep a prisoner in jail costs around $140 to $180 a day. This is approximately $54,000 a year. To cover those people, this would equate to approximately $7.9 million per year to hide these people. If we work that out... That would be astronomical over the next 20 years. This leads to the only other cheaper alternative, taking those 147 patriotic Americans, parents, husbands, wives, mums, dads, sons and daughters and heartlessly killing them all for the greater good. I find it difficult to fathom this concept. Not only that, I find it highly offensive. The families that get put through this wash cycle over and over, thanks to these conspiracists, deserve to be left alone. It was hard enough to handle at the time, yet alone having some crazed nutcase continuously regurgitating this sickening information over and over. This is but one example of the nonsensical arguments that conspiracists will offer you. I think it is sick to fathom any of the above options. They are logistically, emotionally and almost physically impossible. I personally cannot fathom any amount of money or torturous treatment that would convince me to give up my family for the personal benefit of anyone, regardless of whether or not my family would be looked after for the rest of their lives, or it was for the greater good of humankind. You could not convince me to be a part of it. The urge to find something more within any given moment is profound. We all want to think that there is more to things than what we are being told. That perhaps in the greater scheme of human life, I am important enough that the government would want to control and monitor my every move. But this is what nonsense is all about. That was Jason Hamster from nonsense, nonsense.com.au, talking about conspiracies and the lack of rational thinking behind them. And I'd just like to remind you that gravity after all, is the reason for the search for the Higgs boson, or the Apple particle, and the construction of the Large Hadron Collider.
science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know, and to appreciate. When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things. You learn to read the history of the Earth as it is written in rocks and fossils. You find out what makes things tick, everything from a molecule to a living organism. In the study of science is found the most useful and satisfying knowledge of man. Knowledge of his physical world, its past, its present, and its future. And in your moments of relaxation, now and in the years to come, you will find the study of science leading you into fascinating pursuits. Photography. Collecting. Why study science? Study science because you will find in the study of science a richer, more rewarding life. And that's all from us in this edition of Diffusion. If you'd like to contact us, if you have feedback, comments, suggestions, or you'd like to give us a little praise, subscribe to our podcast on our website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. Or send us email, diffusion at 2SCR.com. That's diffusion at 2SER.com. Or if you'd like to contribute to the program, contact us as well. Contributing to the program were Jason Hammister, Victoria Bond, and Patrick Ruby. Diffusion has been produced in the studios of 2SER Sydney and panelled by Patrick Ruby. Diffusion is broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. This is from the old school, new school.